Welcome to Photo Op, the photo opinion podcast. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things photo and video. So today we are talking about part two, about uh, finding your style and creative voice. But first, a listener question. Listener question. So uh, this week's question, is product photography still viable in the age of 3D rendering? Yes, definitely. And you know why? Because reality is so much more detailed than a 3D render. Absolutely. Although I will say, like, vast majority of IKEA catalogs get 3D rendered and you can't tell the difference. So, is it? Is it really? Yes. <laughs> At least in the way that I'm picturing Explain. it. Show your work. At least in the way that I'm picturing <laughs> it. So, um, sure. Like a product on white, if you've got a talented enough uh, 3D modeler who can make something that's like super amazing and has great textures and everything, okay, fine. You can uh, approach reality. But. In my opinion, in the photo- uh, product photography that I like is something's going on. It's in an environment. Yes, it's being used. Um, it's with other objects that relate to it. And that is something that's so hard to 3D model in a way that's convincing. Like if you have a, I don't know, let, this is going to be a really boring example, but let's say you have a shovel and it's in the dirt. Like how do you model all the dirt and grass and the, you know, the shovel in it that's that's going to look exactly perfect? You get that kind of uncanny valley effect, but for objects and not people. And I feel like that is very difficult to replicate uh, really well in 3D modeling. Granted, Unreal Engine 5 just came out, so a bunch of people are going to jump on the comments and say, well, Unreal Engine 5 <laughs> is really cool, and I just did the Matrix demo city, and everything looked fantastic. Okay, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you know, It's probably getting better. Grime is getting better. But um, the, that kind of hyper detail, super realistic... Uh, environments that something is in that's very hard to do there are reasonably yeah there are two things that i'll say to that um one is i worked at a studio with a photographer who was an absolute master at still life and products i learned so much from him david you're fantastic you are not listening to this podcast (laughs) but you taught me so much when i was working um under you so uh, he was telling me about back in the days before Photoshop, before mm-hmm. digital, um, he did this ad campaign where they needed to melt a toaster. And mm. they were thinking, like, how do we get it to look right? And if something is so hot, the toaster just, like, literally is melting kind of in a mm. Dali-esque mm-hmm. style. So he stuck a toaster in the oven and melted it and took a photo. <laughs> Boom. Cool. Real. <laughs> <laughs> um so no, that is that's just kind of a weird, quirky example. I have no yeah. idea what that ad campaign was for, but um, there is still something about when you are trying to sell a product, saying here is a perfect, beautiful rendition of what it should look like, like any pretty much advertisement you've seen on TV of a phone. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, it's probably a CGI, CGI. versus yeah. a photo. But when you are looking at the actual thing, you want it to look real. You want it to feel authentic. You want to show mm-hmm. that it has some flaws, yeah. whether that is a little scratch or grime or something. Um, you want it to look pristine, of course, but you want people... It, it's, it's that 4.9 star effect. Mm-hmm. If someone has five stars, you go, no, 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 no. They're yeah. all fake. But mm-hmm. if someone has 4.9 stars, you go, oh, 
They're mm-hmm. very, very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah. A product in a void is hard to believe almost like it's hard to picture yourself owning it or using it like you want you obviously want your audience the people you're selling to to think i want one of those i can see myself using that i can see myself enjoying that and if it's in a white or black void you know and it's perfectly rendered that's hard to relate to Absolutely. So um, thank you for the question. Uh, Hopefully we kind of covered that. Yes, I think there is absolutely still a place for Mm. product uh, photography. Also, Um, it can be so much simpler. Like you take a picture. I mean, I'm not saying that product photography is easy, but 3D modeling at high detail is a very, very difficult. And you would be surprised. I think a lot of people kind of assume Hollywood nowadays is like all 3D all the time. Actually, practical effects can often be cheaper and easier to do than paying 300 CG artists to work for two years on it. Yeah, so, like yeah. Um, when I was watching Tenant and they crash a plane, mm-hmm. um, they actually crashed a plane because you know what was cheaper than paying 200 <laughs> CG artists exactly. a year's salary? Exactly. An empty shell of a plane. Like So hire a product photographer today, not a CG artist. No disrespect, CG artists. He do great stuff too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, by the way, I do product photography. So uh, shout out to me. This episode brought to you by <laughs> me. Okay. <laughs> and on with the main episode. So uh, this is part two. Last time, uh, if you didn't see it, uh, you might want to go check that out. Do you need a style? No, yeah. Was, no, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, yeah. This episode assumes no, yeah? No, yeah? I think. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this week, we are going to talk about actually finding your creative voice. If you don't know what your style is, how do you develop and cultivate that into something that you feel like is your own? Mm -hmm. Who do you like? That's where you should start. Me. You like me better. (laughs) yeah, leave a comment. Who do you like better? This is a straight head. I didn't mean con- between two straight head-to-head contests, Stuart. I meant with photographers, not with us. Oh, well, I mean, he's a photographer. I, mean, I don't really consider myself one. So. <laughs> uh, between the two of us, I would hope that you like his work better. My goodness, <laughs> when it comes to photography, yes, yeah. <laughs> My goodness, definitely. Um, but but for but for real, are there any photographers that you enjoy? Do, like, are there? Is there a you know a group kind of that you that you feel yourself attracted to? You know, are, are there photographers who whose work you like and you potentially want to replicate in some way? I think that's the first way to get started. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So when I first got started, um, I did not pick up a camera and go, "I'm a portrait photographer. I will now do weddings mm-hmm. and families." Like weddings and families are the easiest way to make money. I feel. Give or take, because literally anyone can pick up a camera and go, hey, do you want to pay me $50 and I'll do your Christmas Mm -hmm, card? mm -hmm. And then like, it won't be good, but some people don't know the difference or say whatever, 50 bucks. (laughs) So, you know, that's a thing that happens. Uh, It's it's very low barrier to entry versus uh, can you shoot, um, you know, laser beam technical like scientific photography that's a very high barrier to entry there's a lot of skill and equipment Mm -hmm. required to do that Mm -hmm. so less people do it so if you are the type of person who does that they're just like the higher barrier to entry means that like you already are more niche and people are inclined to come to you if that makes sense yeah but um when you're first getting started and you have no idea what you're doing um I yeah, just like you said earlier of like copying other people, mm-hmm. I just looked up 
at other photographers and I found some that I like. Uh, my particular inspirations, uh, Ben Vong Wong, shout out, who actually uh, helped me. Amazing with work. Uh, amazing work. Uh, mm-hmm. I've met him several times in person. He has actually helped me personally with uh, my triple click booth. Talk about practical effects dude <laughs> yeah it, but when he started it was all this kind of hyper surreal photo composite mm-hmm. stuff and he has he still does that same look but now it's all practical yeah and it's amazing and so uh I, I i love kind of the evolution of where his style is um and it's funny because dave hill also did that uh hyper realistic many photo composite thing that i very much enjoyed and he's definitely pared down to now he just shoots like slide slide film and like medium mm-hmm. format film mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, like he's, he's going back to like black and white, um, which is not my thing, but I really loved his early work. Um, Joe McNally, huge fan, uh, met him in person. I was just, I was just, uh, fangirling the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, start with that. I mean, uh, imitate people that you like it's okay when you, especially when you're starting out like Absolutely. you have don't, no idea what you're doing yeah you don't know what you're doing and you learn a lot by by copying somebody else's mm-hmm. work probably don't continue to copy that in professional make, work yeah don't make but, that your career but yeah. when you're learning and trying to figure stuff out of like um there are some photographers that um i kind of worked under and tried to copy their style and like my work looked nothing like their work or I tried to do what they do and I go like, this isn't fun. This isn't interesting. Also, I'm looking at the end result. It's not good. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be those things of like, I was shooting, um, can there's this very particular, uh, style of photography right now for pets and dogs. Um, like dog breath photography is the best at it. Can I do that? Yes, I can. But I also realize I am not as good at wrangling pets mm-hmm. as she is. Do my photos look like hers? No, not at all. Do do all of my is is my lighting the same? Is my camera the same? Is everything the same? Yeah. Does it look the same? No. That's that's kind mm-hmm. of what we're talking about when we say style. I can do everything, set up the lights for you, hand you the camera, and you're still going to view it in your mind differently. You're still going to frame it differently. It's going to look different. Definitely. So yeah, start by copying. Um, absolutely, start by copying. Uh. The next thing I would say is when you start by copying, um, you're you're not going to copy it well, <laughs> and and this is the DNA replication of like oh no there's an error and mm-hmm, now the replication mm-hmm. is replicating the error. Essentially, that's kind of what you want because in deviating from those things, now you are creating something that is unique in your own style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's certain stuff where you you look at that, you look at it after you've made it, and you're like, "Ooh." Uh. So most of this is garbage, but I like this one percent that actually worked out pretty well. Like, I want to keep that, and let's throw the rest of this away. And uh, you know, that you, you you keep taking those one percents over and over and over, and eventually make something out of it. I feel Absolutely. like over time. Absolutely. But that's the next thing I think is spend time shooting and shooting oh making yeah. stuff and as you're doing you you just need that time unfortunately i mean there's the common saying of like you know your first uh you know you need ten thousand hours or your first ten thousand photos are going to be your worst you know that that same sort of thing is just getting at the point of it takes a lot of time to develop skills and to develop a style and you know keep copying keep trying things keep failing you're only going to develop a good style by 
failing and trying things over and over and over until you hone in on it. So I think the next thing is like, don't worry, take some time. Yeah, Work absolutely. You are never you are never going to find your style by listening to this podcast and sitting on your couch. No. This podcast if only. This podcast might help, but you're only <laughs> ever going to find your style by actually going out and doing it and doing the repetition and kind of, uh, like we said, in replicating that DNA over and over and over, mm-hmm. the, the mistakes and the deviations from the people you're trying to copy, once those start getting kind of replicated over and over and are different from the original, of like, all of a sudden you found your style. Um, we kind of bashed was it was it earlier this episode or last week on the boho chic overly bright mm, wedding mm-hmm. photographer <laughs> mm-hmm. um but uh like like do you shoot that yeah can those photos look amazing and beautiful yeah yep. are people going to hire you and pay you a lot of money yeah mm-hmm. but at that point you're uh it is kind of less about your style in in kind of how your photos look and maybe your style is more about the way that um you capture intimacy of a couple or yeah. the way yeah. that um or the way that your your posing looks and feels uh kind of gives gives a photo life and movement where mm-hmm. an otherwise amateur photographer copying that style would just be like oh this is just a very boring photo mm-hmm. even though the preset could be the same the camera settings could be the same yeah. your style doesn't necessarily have to be a deviation of kind of like the color palette it needs yeah. to be needs to be something that gives it life and interest. Yeah, your your style needs to reinforce your skills. As your skills get better, your photos will get technically better, but the style is what helps you then differentiate that technical ability from other people. Yeah, like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, my my uh, selling point at wedding shows was, I do this one particular thing with a flash, mm-hmm. no one else does that. Well, guess what? Now everyone else can do that. <laughs> it's very easy. You can learn it online. I have tutorials on it. Like it, it is super easy to do. Um, I c- can't differentiate on I am more technically skilled. No one cares. You have to differentiate on kind of uh, some of the intangibles. So yep. part of it yep. is style, but part of it uh, with creative voice of like, what are you trying to say with your photos? Mm-hmm. What story are you trying to tell? Um, and I think that's something where you and I actually have very, uh, you, you started off by saying that you do not have a style and you don't have a voice, but I think you actually do because you and I have very different kind of ways of like how we approach something. So when you're, um, when you're doing photos of your photos are trying to tell more of a story. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I think a consequence of that is uh, just from working in video is like you have to tell a story in video always. And I think you have to for good photos, you're telling a story, too. So I don't want to disparage photographers and be like, oh, I'm better because I worked in video. Not at all. But that is a significant portion of what I'm thinking about when I'm shooting photos or video or anything really creative is like there's a story here what's the story and generally i try to tell it as honestly as i can i try not to color it too much um from an outsider's perspective so to speak which is how i i generally refer to myself as a documentarian more than i do as an artist um because I try to show the real world, so to speak, and show what's actually happening in whatever I'm documenting and hopefully have some sort of narrative as part of that that I can tell. Um, and I think, I think that is an incredibly strong 
like creative voice to have because when you go out onto a shoot, there are so many things that you can do or people say that you should do that mm-hmm. you either do or don't do because it reinforces that like documentary mm-hmm. voice that you're trying to bring to your images. Yeah, it can make some decisions actually relatively easy because you're like, is this reality or is this bending reality too much? Um, and I try to stay on the side of, you know, be honest with the viewer. And uh, yeah, sometimes that makes for things that I don't think look as good <laughs> as as what I, what I refer, would refer to as real artists, of which I don't consider myself. <laughs> well, and and like, um, so it, it's funny because sometimes I do things that are really weird and strange and avant-garde and out there. But um, hey, do you guys want to know a fun fact about me? Shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, I did not actually get into the photography program at the college I went to. I what? graduated in interdisciplinary visual arts. I have an art degree, but not technically a photography degree because they're like, no, 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 no. Your stuff is not weird and avant-garde enough and you don't tell a story <sighs> and your artist statement is lacking versus I just wanted to make stuff that looks really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so previous to that, I studied graphic design. So I th- am thinking about what are the graphical elements? How does your eye movement flow through this? How yeah. does this interact with any text that it might be accompanying? Um, how does this lay out on a page when you have a magazine? Um, how does this make the reader feel of like, I'm lighting this bodybuilder in this really cool kind of Armstrong pose with the backlight. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just almost something ascendant about it. Mm-hmm. But other than I made them look really awesome and you get feelings looking Feel at it. power. <laughs> I don't really have like, here's my deep artist statement about how this uh, intertwines society and art. And no, 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 I, I don't really do that. So, so there is something that you can do with your creative voice. And my creative voice is like, I do not care about any of that artsy fartsy stuff, mm-hmm. but I am not above changing reality. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes it look the way that it looks up here in my head, mm-hmm. even if that's not real. Like I said, real artist, not oh, real no, artist. <laughs> the real artists are over. No, I want to get paid. I don't <laughs> no, I'm referring artist. to you. Like, but, <laughs> but see, that's the thing is like, um, is like you have a vision in your head about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. You have, um, in what I would call an artistic vision, <laughs> even though you just said that, uh, that they're separate, that you have an actual artistic vision you're trying to execute on. Right. I do not have a vision in my head generally of what you just I'm shooting. Do the thing and, and I what do comes the thing, will come. and yeah. what comes will come. Like I'm very wishy washy, and I just like I, um, you know, whatever whatever I can make at the end of this is what it is, and it's very. I feel like almost organic but not necessarily as positively as that may sound like it's it's what it is and if something didn't turn out well that's what it is and you deal with that and if it turned out well great and that's why a lot of the photography and videography that i do tends to try to push the technical limits is in my opinion the best way for me to shoot good stuff is to get in front of increasingly difficult and interesting things that nobody else can shoot. And so like I, you know, shoot a lot underwater and um, I was very early on in drones before those blew up and became really easy to use. Like I've always been trying to push the technical limits um, of things and try to incorporate all sorts of technology and stuff to get shots that you can't get any other way. Because in my opinion, I have no real artistic vision. And so I try to differentiate by 
making something that's either too difficult or too technically complicated for anybody else to bother with. Whereas you have an actual vision that you execute on, yeah. which I hugely, I hugely respect. But, but the other thing too is like, <laughs> of like when it comes to, okay, who is it that we want to hire? Mm-hmm. And without looking at your portfolio, mm-hmm. if, if your your creative voice, so to speak, is I work on projects that push the limitations of what is possible and technology and do that in a real and grounded way, someone can hear that statement and say, this is exactly the type of person we're looking for for this job. <laughs> Versus without looking at my portfolio, I can say, I want to get kind of epic, dramatic, show-stopping mm-hmm. images that make people stop and go, wow. And that is kind of another Mm -hmm. thing where if someone is looking for kind of a more documentary editing feel, it's like, no, that's not quite right. But other people can hear that and be like, that's exactly what I want. I I, want to see what that looks like to you. Cause Mm -hmm. if if I agree that that's what it looks like to me, then yes, this is the thing I want. So, (laughs) so this is kind of more of what we mean about your creative voice. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the particular style or color palette or preset that you use, but it is more about like kind of what are you trying to say with your photos, but Mm -hmm. all of this, your style, how you interact with people, how you interact with your subjects, how you light pose style, Mm -hmm. all of that um, evolves as you grow and get better. And all of those kind of one cell error duplications that you have tried to copy someone and now it ended up your own thing. Well, now you have a creative voice. Like that's your voice. If you end up, you might try and copy a lot of different things and you'll mm-hmm. do it once or twice and go, yeah, this, yeah. this isn't really it. Mm-hmm. But if there's one that you find yourself coming back to and do it over and over and over again, I, th- I think you've done it. I think you've found your voice and your style. You did it. You did Congratulations. it. Congratulations. Yay. <laughs> so it turns out I do have a style after you, all. You do have a style after yeah. all. Who to thunk? Who to thunk? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us on uh, this conversation today. Um, there will be a link down in the description if you missed part one and want to hear us jabber on about that. Mm. And you do. And you do. Um, yeah. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we are going to follow up with kind of some business tips uh, next time. So stay tuned for that. Um, if you find this interesting slash educational, um, be sure to go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash nom creative as in om nom nom. Uh, we've got a $1 tip jar. Thank you so much for our patrons that we have there. And we'll see you next time. Join us next time for serious business. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo-op.show. Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at non-creative. As in om nom nom. Share this with a friend and you can listen to Photo Op anywhere podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Because it's free.